1: Master your mindset with Nate Schuler and Kim
0: Adele.
1: Hey, that's hey. my Very hello. Face.
0: That's my hello. Was I actually ready for this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not my fault. Oh, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> no, I'm zooming in. Yeah, is,
0: um, this is all. This is all behind the scenes footage. Anyone watching this should be should be happy. <laughs>
1: I love it. Perhaps you were making us do stuff that adds no value.
0: Oh, don't don't kill me with this. We've got a culture of uh happiness in our business. We
1: have.
0: It's killing me, It's it's the pain. The pain.
1: What of working with me?
0: No, no. <laughs> 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 we've been having fun this week. We've been we've been talking uh company culture we've been talking governance we've been talking like why on earth you actually need these things right
1: imagine we've been talking corporate governance all week and we're still this happy (laughs)
0: I'm I'm over the moon Kim I am So so today, we, we are here to delve a bit deeper. I know we just sort of started to talk about um, company culture and why the governance is important, right? So because it kind of gives you a sort of framework, yeah? It means that you can't take certain problems and move people away from what they're doing to do new things without them kind of going through a process, right? There are many reasons for it. So there's internal, external governance. Do you want to give us a bit
1: of i guess for me i mean governance is one of those words that people like immediately shrink away from and go oh it's just it just doesn't sound very interesting does it and it's going to stop me doing things and it's going to hold us back but actually done well governance empowers you to do more what it allows you to do is actually develop your people because you can delegate appropriately One of the big challenges when we think about how we delegate is often we abdicate rather than delegate. When we're asking somebody to do something, it's still ours. It's still our responsibility. What we're we're doing is empowering them to do the doing of it. Doing it well through a governance structure, you're able to empower people to start to run some of these um, subcommittees and some of these boards. It gives them that exposure to the skill set they're going to need to be able to become your directors of the future. And it allows you also to have real confidence that there is structure around your decision making, and it speeds you up rather than slows you down. It takes some time to get it put in in the first place. it's It's like learning a new skill. I mean, we did this before, didn't we, when you think about change. So like the first thing you you do when when change is it feels uncomfortable. even a really stupid change, like you put your jacket on, you put it on a particular way. You take it off and now force yourself to put it on a different way. And think about how does that feel? Well, it feels a bit uncomfortable. You had to really think about it. Whereas normally it's kind of your subconscious just picks it up and puts it on. That's kind of what we're talking about when we're putting in infrastructure is people are gonna have to think about it. So it feels a little bit uncomfortable, but very quickly it becomes their new way of life. And it gives you that real structure around what you're doing, confidence that you've got a process around your decision-making, It empowers people to know what information you need to be able to make those decisions. And it allows you to take meetings and really reduce the amount of time that you spend in them. I go into lots of organisations that are wasting hours and hours on board meetings that aren't getting them anywhere. And that's because they've got no purpose. Um, And for me, one of the things I always say to people, if, if you're taking something in front of the board, you need to know what your purpose is. So you should either be seeking a decision looking to give them an update or informing them of something that's coming next. If you don't know which of those it is, you're not ready to put it in front of the board. And I know getting in front of the board, a lot of leaders over the years have said, but Kim, it's all about exposure, But the thing you have to be really careful of, with exposure, you can become exposed. So whilst we want to get our people to be able to be seen by the more senior people to help them grow their career, we need to do it in a safe space where they're going to be seen for the right reasons. They're going to be seen as being equipped to progress. And that means getting them really structured so that they know what they're asking for, why they're there, what their purpose is, and they're delivering that in a succinct way is going to empower the board to make better decisions and reduce the amount of hours that are spent in the board meetings because actually you know what it is that you're there to talk about. You can really then spend that time strategizing on what's next rather than getting stuck into being in the business rather than working on the business.
0: Yeah, we talked about this yesterday, and I asked you the question of kind of a time-saving... I mean, uh, you can work it out, right? Like, if you've got 20 people in a meeting, yeah, just let alone, like, the labour cost for those people, the loss of commissions that they're not getting if they're salespeople, like, the 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 tangible... Uh, losses by not having governance right I mean because you've also got the governance as well from the regulator and, and 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 the government and these kind of things as well yeah
1: Absolutely. And if you put your structure in properly, what you're able to do is the way where I always do it is I have subcommittees that have got a purpose. So each of them is looking at it from a particular point of view. So There might be one that's like the customer board. So in that, the whole point is to think like the customer. And if I were the customer, what, what decision would I be making based on these facts? And then you look at it from the colleague's point of view or from the risk and audit point of view or from a commercial point of view. And because you're looking at it from those different lenses, you're making your recommendations from that basis. When it then comes up to the board, you've already done the deep dive into each of those with the experts from that area that have got the information, that have got the statistics, that have got the knowledge to be able to inform that decision. And then you're making that overarching decision with ratified information, because we have, we've got, you know, we've got regulators we have to deal with. We've got laws that we have to follow. We've got regulations that we need to, to adhere to. Having these, in, having these infrastructures in place, empower us to do that, and also allow us to be able to demonstrate actively to those regulators that we're in control. And like we said yesterday, if we're an organisation that's seeking investment, it gives the investor confidence that we know what we're doing we know how to run a business and that they can trust us to not just keep their money safe but to grow it
0: yeah i mean in the past i know you've you've had to deal with like massive massive change projects and stuff do you want to tell 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 people about the the time when uh, it all went wrong for that business and they hired you they just got the biggest fine in UK financial history, and like you had to pick up the pieces, and and because that's an interesting story, I like that one. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it was it was an interesting time. So I joined. Uh, I think it was uh, ten days after they'd been given the largest fine in UK history at the time, and uh, that we had the press camped out on the doorstep. We were everybody's dog to kick, and um, we'd been um, stopped for mis-selling. And at the point that I went in. Um, they had 244 outstanding actions on the remedial action plan from the regulator. So we were, we were in dire straits. Uh, and I remember it being one of the funniest contracts that I've, that I've ever had. I met some amazing people, worked with some fantastic talent and learned loads. It's where I really un- learned about corporate governance and, and how to implement it and its power um, from an amazing guy called um, Sean Astley Stone, who is fabulous at this stuff. Um, and it was an amazing education, but it really taught me how important corporate governance is, because we were in a place where we were absolutely firefighting every day. We used to joke that it was like being in the big brother house. <laughs> it's like and today's activity is um because every day there would be a new challenge it was whether it was facing liquidation or another challenge from the regulator they they you know they had us in meetings every day because they didn't really trust us not to make a mess. Um, And it didn't take long. It only took us a few weeks of the new team being in before we won over their trust. We put in the governance. We were demonstrating that we were back in control. We knew what we were doing and we were able to move forward. We happened to have um, a couple of Section 166s, which for anybody in financial services, you know that they're actually, um, when the regulator doesn't trust that the organisation knows what it's doing, doesn't trust that management are in control. And we had both of those. They started literally 10 days after I joined. Um, and I remember bringing the regulator up and going, you're not going to like what you find. I don't like what I have found, <laughs> but I've not had a chance to change it. I've only been here 10 days, but let me show you what it is that we're looking to do. And we were really fortunate. They ran for 12 weeks and we had both of them closed with no material findings, which is as good as you can get uh, for them saying that you're back in control. Um, And that's because we were able to demonstrate we were in control. We'd got really strong governance. We'd got the right infrastructure. We were able to demonstrate that we were making conscious choice when we were making decisions and that we were considering all angles. We were making sure that we were putting the customer at the heart of what we did, that we were considering whether or not the actions that we were taking were right, were appropriate and were considered. And all of this was running in, in the backdrop of, still being in the public eye, still trying to run the organisation, losing um, a major business partner, having to do the first major redundancy of what was going to be five major redundancies in the next two and a half years, all whilst trying to ensure that we'd got the right culture. And you can imagine that's not easy to do in those circumstances. You're kind of like you're putting people's jobs at risk. You're losing some people. We're constantly firefighting. We've got no money and we had to do a major overhaul on our operation, our organisation and put in the infrastructure. But we did it and we had an amazing culture because we spent our time with the people, because the governance was there. We could make really good, really informed decisions in less time. We were able to spend that time going out to the people, finding out what's it like to be here right now, and one of the biggest challenges that i see in organizations globally it always comes down to communication people don't feel like they're being communicated to um and when we start telling people what's going on we include them in what's happening and we inform them then actually they become part of the solution rather than feeling that things are being done to them even if it's sound to something as horrendous as a redundancy program explaining why I remember standing in front of this room of people. It was heartbreaking. They were amazing people and saying to them, you know, the first thing I need you to understand is this is not about you. And let me be clear on what I mean by that. It's happening to you. You are going to be impacted as a result of what's happening. You're going to have to live with the decision that I've had to make. The reason I say it's not about you is it's not because you're not an amazing person. It's not because you're not a great employee. It's not because I wouldn't love you to still work for me. And um, for the rest of your life, it's because the harsh reality is I couldn't lead us to a different place. I couldn't get us to a place where I can't make cuts. And my job is to save as many jobs as possible. And the only thing I've got choice of now is either make these cuts and save as many jobs as I can or do nothing. And the company closes and then none of us have got a job and I can't live with losing that many roles. But you need to be able to look in the eyes of the person who's responsible for this. And don't run. Well, I'm not entirely responsible. I wasn't the only person there. I hadn't been there very long. I could come up with a whole litany of reasons why it wasn't me. But the reality is people want to be able to look in the whites of the eyes of somebody who's responsible because they need to be treated with respect. And on doing so, I had people on the very last day hugging me and I was like, you do know I did this. And they were like, we do, but actually you turned up every week, you sat down with us and asked us how we were feeling. You helped us write CVs, you went out and spoke to you know the local government and other businesses to see if you could get us jobs. And I was really proud to say 98% of the people had another job by the point we closed.
0: Amazing.
1: Even so, it was about putting putting aside how you feel. You feel a little bit guilty, you feel a little bit ashamed. You know that no one's gonna be um, thankful for your message. You know, nobody goes, Yay, redundancy, where do I sign? <laughs> so you know it's you feel a little bit under attack. And unfortunately, as leaders, when we feel under attack, we often go on the defensive. And the best form of defense is attack. So we change our words, we change our tone, we change our language, and we end up making it a making it an attack on the people that we're trying to lead. Instead, we've got to be able to grow as leaders and realize that actually that's what we're paid for is to take that on the chin and to stand in front of them and hold their hand across difficult times. But to do that, you sometimes need somebody to be there in your corner, which is, you know, I was really lucky. I had a coach. It's why I now coach other people, which is to say, I get it. I know how hard it is. We are paid to suck it up. We are paid to go and do those things, but we're still human beings we still need somebody to be able to help hold our hand over those difficult times as well, because it's very difficult. You can't pour from an empty cup. So you need to have somebody who's going to help fill your cup up to enable you to be filling up the cup of your people.
0: Absolutely. So when it, when it comes, when it comes to uh, creating governance and these kind of things, uh, do you think that uh, not having governance is actually like damaging for a business? like, like, If you had two businesses that were the same, right, and one had governance and one didn't, yeah, the one with the governance, like, would be so much more profitable, right, and much leaner, wouldn't it?
1: Absolutely, and it would be more successful because what you're able to do is cut out the noise. So you take away the wasted time and you've then freeing up that time, but also that capacity for those people for those brains, for, for that thinking time to actually go, what next? Because we, instead of being in the business, we're working on the business. And too often, we can't find the time. How many of you have ever gone, or have just had a bit more time, I would? We all have. We've all been in those places. Having really good governance and infrastructure buys you back that time.
0: Got you got you well that's that's very interesting so you know I mean we're going to be expanding on this in future interviews uh we kind of we've gone a minute over our time today Kim it's probably because we wasted a minute at the beginning while I was putting my shirt on you know but (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, I was trying to do my hair (laughs) but there we go you know I think um there's so much more to business than people actually think and People, people, when they're not involved with management, they 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 tend to not really understand about these vital, vital things like governance and actually what it really means. And it is, yes, it looks to be boring, but actually it's not. Without it, I don't think you can really run a successful business, if I'm, if I'm perfectly honest.
1: No, you, you struggle with it. But equally as leaders, you know, if you're wanting to get on, if you're wanting to really expand and grow, and you're thinking, well, actually... Either I want to get onto the C-suite or I'm already on the C-suite and eventually I want to move on to non-exec roles or um, to be chairman or something. You need to know this stuff because the expectation of you in those different roles is very different. One of the biggest challenges that I see, and I help a lot of people with this, is when they make that move from executive director to non-executive director because they're a very different skill. Um, and you need to relearn all of this. That's why there's so many people out there that are running courses on how to help you become a non-exec director, because it's a very different role. But it very often is what's in people's long term career plan.
0: Well, thank you. And thanks, everyone, for uh, for listening. We appreciate you.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, yeah. And also, if you if you'd like more information on what we're doing, take the time and go to mastermindset.com. .co.uk and you can check out what we're doing. We're doing lots of different things, but it all has a very big business umbrella above it. ah wow.
1: Thank you so much. Have a lovely weekend all. Thanks for listening to Master Mindset. Please don't forget to follow wherever you listen and tell your This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c sweetradio.com.